I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot of people reached out to me and have said, really look after your relationship. You guys need to be a unit through this. This is not for the faint-hearted. Like this breaks people completely. And I totally understand how it breaks people. Welcome to Figuring Out 30, where we explore the chaos, confusion, and clarity that comes with life in our 30s. I'm Bridget Husway. So nice to be back with you as always. Um, I hope you've had a lovely week since we last spoke. I have had the best week ever because, I mean, it started with my birthday, but then I got to see my favorite band in the world twice, two nights in a row at Rod Laver in Melbourne, the 1975. It was amazing. It's like the fifth time I've seen those guys and they're just so joyful live. Like there is such a sense of, I don't know, like the energy is so electric in the crowd every time because it's just diehard fans everyone is singing and dancing like there is not a singular still body in the room when the 1975 play and um yeah just could not wipe a smile off my face so stoked to see those guys again I also had a sleepover when was the last time you had a sleepover with like your girlfriends mine well technically it wasn't a sleepover because no one stayed over but everyone was invited to But this is the thing, when you're an adult and you have the option to go home to your own bed, you're obviously going to do that, right? (laughs) So what happened was me and my girlfriends were actually meant to go camping down Y River, but the weather was looking hell sketchy, like really windy and rainy. So we decided to postpone the BCF or rather bring the BCF to Brunswick (laughs) and the girls came over to my house. We started with some mocktails and cocktails and then we ordered some pizza and ate that outside. Oscar put together his fire pit, which was so awesome. So we had a little fire cranking in the backyard and we toasted marshmallows. Pip brought like these fucking marshmallow stick things from Kmart, like the giant fork things. And then we got into the lounge room, put on face masks and we did pass the parcel. I organized a surprise pass the parcel and the prize <laughs> was a vibrator because adults sleepover, those are the things you can win now. And then we watched Crossroads, the iconic Britney Spears film. And we had popcorn and then we had a Freddo birthday ice cream cake because my birthday. Um, what else did we do? And but oh, everyone went home then. And then I went to bed. Me and Oscar went to bed. So it was so fucking fun. We will definitely be doing more adult sleepovers. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into today's episode, which does need a content warning because we're focusing on miscarriages. This is a topic I've been wanting to touch on for so long. Um, I haven't experienced one myself, but you know, as someone with endometriosis, I do have a higher risk of infertility and I do know other people who have experienced miscarriages. I'll be the first to say straight up that I've never felt confident talking about them because 
yeah, it just wasn't really a conversation that was normalized growing up like so many things. And we still have such a long way to go in terms of that because one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage and it's such a devastating experience, but we can help make it feel less lonely and isolating. So having these conversations are really important. And today's guest has done an amazing job raising awareness because she's experienced four miscarriages. You may have heard her talk about it on the brilliant podcast that she co-hosts called Darling Shine, or maybe you've heard her husband mention it online. I'm talking about Grammy-nominated DJ Fisher. They're one of the funnest couples who are always up for a good time and fresh from Coachella, actually, where Fisher played. But life hasn't always been smiles for Paul and Chloe Fisher, who want nothing more than to be parents. I can't tell you how much I admire Chloe for being so open and vulnerable with sharing her story. We talk about her miscarriages and how she deals with guilt, as well as her most recent health diagnosis and what really happened on the day of her Sunday Life cover shoot. You'll also hear about the ways in which we can support those dealing with fertility struggles and the one thing that people have said to Chloe that infuriates her the most. So let's get into it. This is Figuring Out 30 with Chloe Fisher. I'm excited to interview you because I've interviewed Paul and now I get to interview Chloe. Yay. (laughs) You came into Triple J. It was like 2018. What was that even for? I can't even remember. It felt like a lifetime ago. (laughs) Dude, it was so long ago. It was literally towards the start of 2018 and it would have been one of my first interviews on good nights and it was before it was before losing it did so well in the countdown and it was I think it was Paul's like first triple j interview and you both came in and I was it was so funny because I was like I'm not sure what I'm going to get from this guy like it could really go either way like he's a bit of a fucking loose unit but so humble the whole time he was just like thanks so much like it was like he was just wide-eyed like going through like the studios and stuff but yeah it was ages ago full circle yeah truly so what What's going on with you? You're in LA right now. So you're properly based there at the moment? Yeah. So we, we're we here in LA now until we go to Ibiza at the end of May. So Paul's got a little bit of touring to do up until then. And then we'll be relocating to Ibiza for the summer, which is like June through end of September-ish. And then we'll come back to LA. So what's the schedule like there? Because I've interviewed DJs before and who have done like the residencies. Does he have to do like proper like eight hour sets and stuff? Yeah. So it's every Wednesday he plays from three to 5 a.m. And then it usually pushes through to maybe 7 a.m. sometimes. So when you're walking outside of the club, it's pure daylight. Oh my God. (laughs) The schedule's nuts. (laughs) And you just, you stay there for the whole week? Well, yeah, so he usually within the I mean, I've just looked at this I've been following the schedule um the last few months going, um, this year was meant to be a little chiller, but <laughs> pretty much you'll leave the club on a Thursday morning around seven AM, go home, sleep for a few hours. And it depends because he still has his residency in Vegas, which is summer in Vegas in, in the States oh. during the same season as in Ibiza. So he pretty much has to come back to the States every second weekend. Fly, wow. fly to Vegas, do a show, turn around and come straight back to Ibiza. But when he's not doing the Vegas, that, then he would usually leave on a Thursday night out of um, Ibiza. But when he's not going to Vegas, he's going to, it's usually like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We're in a different country like 
jumping around and then back to Ibiza on the Monday-ish, Tuesday, and then Wednesday comes around and that's for like three months straight. Oh, my God. It's so – I mean, you're used to it now, but like <laughs> we're both the same age. I feel like my festival body in my 30s, like I'm feeling – like I get t- – I can really feel the tiredness. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I know it's because it was actually funny. I was driving down to San Diego with my girlfriend um, over the weekend and we were just talking about the festivals and it was like B-Fest and Big Day Out and just how different they were. I mean, we were young. What were we like in our, we thought we finished school when we were 18 and then yeah. so probably in our early 20s, late teens and I'm like, oh, my God. But how the hell do we remember every single detail about that? But I can't remember what I did yesterday. It's so weird. Yeah, big mood, big fucking mood. Well, let's talk about, I guess, heading into 30 and, you know, growing up, like what were, what were you kind of envisioning for yourself by the time you'd reach 30, I guess, in terms of like career and relationships and stuff? And did it match what was actually going on for you when you did turn 30? Yeah, God, absolutely not. I mean, I think... Everything that I'm doing now is probably I would never have picked this. Um, I, I when I I mean look I obviously didn't ever envision marrying a DJ so that was new that was new. <laughs> so we you know we live all the all around the world. I didn't expect that one. Um, but turning being in my 30s, I remember when we were younger you just see everyone in their 30s as proper adults. Truly, and now I'm 32. 32 this year and I I don't feel like an adult but I mean the one thing that I obviously don't have now is is children Um, and that's probably the biggest thing that I really expected I would have by now Um, but I you know I just didn't realize it was going to be so difficult Um, and then as for my career I've just I, I would have imagined myself being somewhere in the corporate sort of world I used to work at ACP magazines when I first finished school and sort of like worked my way up in advertising there and then and then I met Paul and I moved to to America with him when I was 20 yeah when I was 20 21 yeah that's so (laughs) wild isn't it and the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm really, I'm really thankful that you're um, keen to have a chat with me because I know you've, you know, used your platform and you've chatted about it on your socials and of course on the podcast too about your fertility journey. And, you know, I've wanted to do a podcast episode on it for ages. Like I've got endo and I haven't tried to conceive yet, but there's like, like up to 50% of people with endometriosis will face fertility struggles. So I definitely have it front of mind. But for me, it's more so like the conversation surrounding, you know, IVF and miscarriage, like I had my first conversation with friends about it at the age of 29 and I felt so like fucking stupid, but also angry because like we're not really given a heads up. I don't know if you did, but like, you know, throughout high school and growing up and I guess in the media too, like it's just stuff that you're not told that you can talk about, I guess, or you don't even, like I didn't even have the information. Like I felt so stupid asking questions about it because my friend like confided and revealed that she had a miscarriage and I was like, oh my God, like what, like I didn't even know what to ask. So like what was, I guess growing up for you, like did you have any like exposure to that kind of stuff? Like... Look, I don't think so. You know, when I I knew that my mum had had a miscarriage between my brother and myself. Um, and then I think growing up, I knew of a few people that had miscarriages, but nothing really, it wasn't obviously spoken about, but it was, it was 
it's so weird as well because you just never think it's going to happen to you. you. You think that you're healthy and and all that, and and then all of a sudden it happens, and you, you're like, "What have I done wrong?" Or what? How? Like, yeah, you just it. It's still mind blowing for me. I I I'm still baffled at why they don't have why we're not taught this at school and. I don't even know what needs to change, but it's like I think that in PE classes that that should be a full syllabus. A, the female reproductive system, you don't learn about endometriosis or you don't learn about your fertility or you don't learn about your egg count or like sperm health. You learn about nothing. And at the end of the day, that's probably one of the most important things that you need to know about. Um, but, yeah, we I've, I've just started talking. I think my first miscarriage was March of 2020. So I, we fell pregnant naturally at our wedding, and that was in February of 2020, literally a week before COVID hit. And we I've never – I was on the pill growing up, and mm-hmm. I think I went off the pill – I've been off the pill for maybe like five or six years now, but we were never careful. We never – I mean, I've always wanted a baby my whole life. I, from from as young as I can remember, I was always the the one out of my girlfriend's group that Chloe's going to be the first one to have a baby. All I want was to be a mother. And I remember, I remember with my ex boyfriend, I'm like, you know, if I fall pregnant, I'm going to have this baby because that's I just want that. So we never really we weren't actively trying because I think the difference is, you know, when you're when you're not trying. That's one thing. But when you're actively trying, it's like when you're tracking your cycles, tracking when you ovulate. See, you don't learn about this stuff either. You you get taught that you have sex and you're not using protection and you're fall pregnant. That's what you're taught. Yeah. But I didn't know that it, at this point, none of my friends had really had children. So we didn't really, I didn't really know how that it was. Well, look, it's difficult for some people. It's not difficult for other people. But I just thought that you just consciously had sex around when you were ovulated and then you fell pregnant but it just randomly happened on the night of our wedding and I was like wow that was so easy like <laughs> I'm pregnant amazing and then it was actually funny because when I came home from my wedding I was recommended by a friend to see this fertility acupuncturist on the northern beaches where I lived just to get all my levels and I didn't even know that was a thing again that you yeah. get all your levels checked and there was um, so I went and saw this acupuncturist and she gave me a treatment and she said, go to your GP, get a full blood count, ask for this, 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 and send me on my way. And so I went and did that. I flew to LA. It was, this was the thick of, this was when COVID was like there, we were thinking, do we get on this flight? Do we not get on this flight? Are we going to be able to, are we going to land into lockdown? And wow. anyway, we ended up going because at this point, Paul's tours hadn't been fully canceled. And I remember sitting down in the office of um, like Paul's management's office and I opened this email, which was in my junk mail, by the way, from my doctor <laughs> with all my blood tests. And I was like reading them and she goes, I think that we need to have a chat. And, and I was like, really? Why? Is everything okay? She goes, you're pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like it was just the best, craziest surprise ever. Um and I just remember looking at Paul and Brett, his manager, and going, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. What the hell? Like it was just so – it was just looking back now as probably one of the happiest moments ever for me because it was just uncalled for, you know. Mm. And so I went – we ended up having to go home to Australia because it was basically – Australia was about to lock down if we didn't get home. It was – we were here for 24 hours, turned around and went straight home. And 
I called all my friends. I told them I was pregnant. It was just like the cra- – I don't know. It was just amazing. And so we then moved up to the Gold Coast and maybe I, I think I was like seven weeks and I started bleeding. Actually, I think I – actually, no, 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 I didn't start bleeding, but I, I went to the GP, then I went and had the ultrasounds and stuff like that and they didn't see a heartbeat. So that was sort of – and they that was sort of the first miscarriage I had and you pretty much just get sent to the hospital. They give you a pamphlet and say, if you need help, call this number. Right. It, it, it was just so – it was such a weird experience and then I went home and I just remember having to go to the, the hospital the next day and have a DNC and just being pushed in there and just knowing that you're going in with your like baby in your belly and then you're coming out empty. It was just the weirdest feeling and yeah. so that that was my first miscarriage and then three, fast forward, three years down the track now, pretty much three years to the day basically I've just this January had my fourth miscarriage and I'm like far out surely. I don't know. It's so weird. I think that pregnancy up until now, which we can talk about later, the surgery that I just had, but up until now pregnancy terrified me because Mm -hmm. I just, you know, all of, because we ended up having to go through IVF. So after our first round of um, our miscarriage, we tried for like 12 months and it didn't work. And so then I went to the GP and I got this blood test called your AMH and it and it kind of count uh, gives you like a level of your egg count and mine came back super low. I think it was like 2.1 and some, that's someone that's quite old. Um, so I might not ovulate every month. You know, there's 12 months in the year. I might only ovulate three times a year. So even if we're doing it at the right time every single month, there's just no eggs coming out, then there's no baby. So we ended up going down the IVF route and we've done now seven rounds of IVF, one IUI and, yeah, lost three three pregnancies from it. One was twins, which was pretty heavy. That was actually the most heaviest hitter because they both had little heartbeats and they both – it was just like awful. I remember we, we lost one quite early on and I we knew this but then when I miscarried the second one, I remember watching the ultrasound and the lady that did the sonographer was incredible um, where I went because sometimes it can be a bit, well, it's just weird vibes when you're in those. I've never had really any positive sessions yeah. um, getting ultrasounds. So I, for me, it just scares me. But I remember seeing the, both the twins together, like they mm. were like hugging each other and it was just so that was that was a heavy hit of that one. Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, it's like one in four women have miscarriages. It's like four. We've had four now. And I'm like, mm, okay. I mean, I saw you just um, like you just shared the post that was uh, captured for I'm a Celebrity, like Liz Ellis in the jungle talking about it and when mentioning the mm. heartbeat. Like, I mean, it doesn't get any easier, right? Like I feel like it's such a stupid question. Like, there's no, no way you can be like mm. – um, desensitized to the experience like does it do you feel like it gets harder yeah I even I even I like watch oh, I'll get teary just talking about it. I was watching that um that snippet this morning and I was just like far you you, you I, I definitely feel like I'm desensitized to the whole thing it, it it doesn't get easier but it just it it holds differently. Yeah. I just think it's just like another layer of grief because you, it happened. You know, when it's happening, you're thinking, surely not. 
surely not. Yeah. How can I be this unlucky? Surely not. But it happens and I think the only thing that helps you is time. At the time, and especially when you've fallen pregnant, it's just whether it's six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, 20 weeks, it's it's still the moment you get that positive pregnancy test, you're planning your whole future with these babies. And that's it doesn't make a difference. And for me, yeah, I don't know. It's such a weird, it's a weird thing because I just don't think the grief ever goes away. You just always feel the feels. Yeah. Yeah. I recently interviewed um, Sally and Imogen from the Good Morning podcast because they just put out a book about grief and loss and they talk about there's this really great theory that's out and it's kind of like growing around grief and grieving with love. Like grief is always going to be part of you and part of your, like your babies are your grief, you know, and that's how you kind Mm -hmm. of hold it within you. I really love before you mentioned how, you know, finding out with that email in Paul's management's offices, like that you can still see that as like one of the happiest days of your life. Like you should still be able to hold on to that and have those happy memories mm. despite despite everything. Um, and when you mentioned that you, you know, were telling your friends and your family and stuff, this is a thing like, I, I, I don't know, I get, you know how they say like, don't tell anyone before 12 weeks in case something goes wrong but I'm like me personally I'm like tell whoever you want because Mm. you are pregnant and if something you know it's up to each individual because it might be harder for them to say I'm pregnant and then now like I've you know I've lost a baby or Mm. whatnot but it makes me angry I feel like sometimes that contributes to you having to deal with it alone in case it happens, you know, Mm. like it's just such a weird thing. Like were you excited to like every time you've got pregnant, you've told, you know, numerous people or have you held on to in case like you're going to jinx it or whatever? I feel like every pregnancy for me, I've had a different outlook on this and Mm. I, 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 at the start, it was just so natural to obviously tell my best friends um, and then I think the second one, you, you're trying to protect yourself a little bit because once you start telling people, it, it's amazing and you have the support and you, you're excited. But then for me, I four miscarriages later, it's so hard telling people that you've had a miscarriage. That's the, that's the really hard part. And yes, you want their support, but that's it's so traumatizing having to you know, you get you get so excited. It's just such a beautiful moment sharing the news with people. But then, I, I don't know. I I actually do feel so different about it now. And I think for my next pregnancy, when I do fall pregnant, I, I Paul's even says, "Don't tell anyone." You know, you, you gotta. You just don't know. And I think that it does. It sucks and it pisses me off because I feel like we have been completely ripped off in the emotion and like being able to be carefree and not worrying and all that sort of stuff. We've just been ripped off. So I don't think I'm ever going to have a pregnancy moving forward that I'm not going to be so scared that I'm going to lose the baby because it's just happened time and time again. But I don't know. It's, it's so weird. It's a really, it's a hard one, but I do understand that you do need support a hundred percent. And you do, you do want to share the news, but I, I, I get now after going through four that you you do you are doing it to protect yourself because it's it's so emotional and it's so it's so sad when it does happen but I don't know I kind of have to shake that and move out of that headspace and actually believe that I'm not going to miscarry you know I think it's weird 
I'm keen to kind of dive into, I guess, how we do talk about it and what people can do in terms of, you know, supporting someone who's gone through a miscarriage and what to what are things that you can say that are helpful because it, it is like a death in the sense that if someone well it is death you know like you you won't say their name or like you kind of just avoid it because of course mm. you don't want it to be uh triggering but then it's almost worse when people are just like silent because it's like your world has changed and then you look out and everyone else is kind of going about your day and you're like I've just endured the most fucked up thing so we'll talk about that in a second but in terms of like navigating I guess how much like how 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 has guilt come into it like did you were you really hard are you still hard on yourself about it yeah god I think that a as a as as a woman, you feel like you should be able to. This this should just be second nature to you. But it's it's. I feel so much guilt for Paul because I know how much he wants to be a father and he wants to, you know. And then I also feel I find it really hard sometimes to talk to my family even about it now because it's we're so in the thick of this and it's so far down. It's not just oh my god, we're having our first miscarriage. I just. I, f- I get really upset and I, my mom gets really upset and I, I just feel guilty even telling my siblings, you know, they, they I, I just, it's such a weird, it's a, such a weird emotion and such a weird feeling to put like pinpoint exactly what it is. But you do, you, you just want, especially for me, we don't really have too many answers and you're just constantly researching and trying to work out and for me, I'm, I feel healthy. Yeah, you, know, you are you healthy. You happy. <laughs> You speak of having endo and, and I mean, I'm not really 100% sure of your case, but I'm assuming you get it painful. Is it, do you have like it painful and all that? See, whereas for me, I never, I don't have any of that. I've never had a, an irregular period. I've never had, when they did do surgery for me, um, originally like a couple of years ago with IVF, they did find endo, but again, for me, it was all silent. So they're just telling me there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong, but then me as a human, I'm thinking, well, there's something wrong. What is wrong with me? It's just, yeah, it's it's really sad. You, yeah, it's. Uh, Did they remove the endo for you? Yeah, they removed the yeah. endo and then um, that was maybe two years ago now and I just had a surgery recently to just kind of look in again. They have a thing called now. I think called Asherman syndrome. Oh, I don't know. And it's basically where it's your uterus basically gets really bad scarring and sticks sticks together essentially. And they think that like because I've had so many miscarriages, my uterus just protecting itself. It's just grown these layers and layers of scar tissue. So they're like, there's just no way that you're going to have been able to fall pregnant right now because there's no circulation down there so you're falling pregnant but you're losing them because they can't grow properly but now i'm feeling very positive i'm I'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is this is the answer for me right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because I also feel, I know that Paul feels 
like guilty as well. He knows that this is all I want in life is to have a baby. You know, he's like, I can give you whatever you want, but I can't give you the one thing that you want. And that's really, I know, I can see that that hurts him, you know. Mm. I mean, so he, it would have just been such an, and it continues to be such an eye-opening thing, like the post that he put up about you, just like this, the shit that your body has gone through. Like he would have just been like, what the fuck? Like yeah. I can't believe, you know, and it's another, you know, this is why everyone needs to have conversations. Like men need to know about this so they know like how to support us and, and all of that. But um, I'm sure it's like it's probably strengthened your relationship in so many ways, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, you definitely go through your moments and a lot of people reached out to me and has have said, you know, really look after your relationship. You guys need to be a unit through this. This is not for the faint-hearted. Like this breaks people completely and I totally mm. understand how it breaks people. We've definitely had our moments where Paul's like, I can't, not with together, but like I can't do this anymore. We need a break from the IVF and trying, trying, trying because it's ruining us and what we have and, you know, whereas now I think because we're slowly starting to get answers and we're slowly, I'm slowly relaxing a little bit more and not, obviously my eyes are on the prize. That's all I want. But I'm slowly starting to realize, you know, things do take time. And that's like the number one thing that I've learned in this whole thing is like, you need so much patience because it's not something that you can just do and click your fingers and you can do a cycle or whatever. You're always waiting for something or some like you're waiting for your period to come or you're, you're hoping you don't get your period. It's just like, it's, it's up and down and up and down. And I think maybe the last six months, I've really just been so much more relaxed and our relationship has just flourished. And I think that we've just learned how to support each other and be, being understanding of each other and listening to each other. And for me, it's really important for him to sometimes give me the time and sit down and really listen to how I'm feeling and my frustrations. And, and sometimes he doesn't want to talk about it, but that that's really important for me. And I need Mm. to, and I think as well that in this whole situation, and that's why I do our podcast. And for me, the thing that's helped me the most is just talking about it and having conversations with people and finding people who are also going through it because I don't think that I would truly understand the depths of it unless I've gone through it. It's yeah. really, it, it's a real. It, there's so many levels to miscarriage, to IVF, to recurrent miscarriage. To it, there's just it's so it's so many layers. And when you talk about like Instagram versus reality, but Paul and I, I think it was probably maybe in January or December. We just, you might have seen, but we did the cover of Sunday Life magazine together. Yes, and, Stunning Beach yep, shoot. Yep. So we did that shoot and we were so excited because Paul never, Paul actually doesn't really ever do interviews. He's never, like, he's just always been one. So so you're one of the lucky ones because you did get to interview. Oh, my God, flex. But, what a bragging guy. Yeah, so he doesn't really do too many of those. But this one came through when they wanted us to be on the front cover for their their love edit for Valentine's Day and I said, come on, let's just do it. We've never done something like this before and, you know, we get to do it together and we can talk about our story and, you know, get people to see us in a different light than just the party, the party Paul. <laughs> and I, it was so heavy because I literally started having a miscarriage as I, I was started to be, I started to bleed a few days before that just spotting, but I know that that's actually a norm that's not that can be normal in pregnancy early pregnancy 
but I'd already done my blood tests. Um, I'd been tracking this pregnancy. It was a very on, off, on, off, on, off, but my numbers kept rising and I was getting my hair and makeup done and I got the message from my IVF doctor and he was like, oh, your levels have just completely like dropped by a half. Like, unfortunately, you're miscarrying. And I remember texting my manager who was like sitting on the other side of the table and I'm just going, I just texted him, fuck, I'm literally having a miscarriage. Can you believe it? And she just mm. got up and like ran away. I couldn't run away because I was getting basically getting my mascara done. Oh no. And the worst part of the face I was just, during that too. I just like completely shut off and just went into work mode. And I it was it was probably a little bit selfish of me to tell Paul, but I was like, I have to tell someone. Like I have I actually yeah. have to tell him. So He's not like, why are you being weird? But I didn't tell anyone at that shoot. So the whole crew that was there with the magazine, like hair and makeup, the stylist, the photographer, nothing. And then he was, Paul was like basically crying. I was like trying to not cry because I just had my makeup done. And then we went down the beach and did this full photo shoot. And, you know, if you look at the photos, you you would <sighs> never, you would never have known. Um, but, yeah, that was that was so making my eyes feel stingy now. That's fucked. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like it's and I think it's like again, like I feel like we even sanitize the miscarriage experience. Like when you hear what it actually entails and the bleeding and then like you can be in the middle. Like I remember reading about Halsey and she had a miscarriage while she was on stage oh, performing cool. at one of her arena shows. Like, and you just like, yeah, you when you're in those situations where you just have no choice or any no control, yeah. like you just yeah. shut off and get into work mode. And I mean, what happened after it? Like, did you go home and just like I went unleash emotion? I went what home. Was, was we literally both got in the car and it, this crazy storm had rolled over and we both just basically sat there and like held hands and cried and was just like, I cannot believe oh. this is happening again. But it just kind of just got worse from there on out because – this was the first time, this miscarriage was the first one that I didn't have a DNC for because my levels had dropped so drastically. I had this crazy bleed. My doctor was like, you, you're going to just have to pass this yourself sort of thing. So it was just like three or four weeks of bleeding and I actually passed the embryo, which I saw. It was like, it's like a little tadpole. It was, it's, it was so mm. awful. Like it was, it was really sad. Like I remember saying to Paul, like it's here, you know, it, Yeah awful it was so shit but and then we went to Bali and just for three three weeks in Bali it was just you're wearing basically wearing nappies because you can't really mm. I ended up having to use tampons because I'm like what am I meant to do I'm 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 wearing a bikini I'm not I can't wear a pad this is just but I've I really I have still haven't actually got my period this is like the longest stint of that I haven't had since November last year now but really? I think it's just because I had I've my my IVF was in November. Fell pregnant through like December, January. It's April now. That's quite long. Wow. Um, but yeah, I think because I just had that surgery, that would they would have like cleared everything out. And now I'm just sitting waiting for it. So eager to get it. Can't wait. <laughs> it's so Bring weird. It it's on. like it's like a roller coaster because most of the time it's like fifty fifty. Half the time you're waiting for your period, but then the other half of the time you're you're waiting for it to not happen. It's yeah. so weird. God. Anyway. And it's but like even mentioning like bleeding for weeks, like I think there's people still out there who just think a miscarriage is like an instant thing, but like the effects on your body, like ongoing and just how yeah. much of it can impact, yeah, your regular day-to-day -day life. 
Yeah. It's just when you think as well it's finished, you'll go somewhere and you're like, I'm not going to wear a liner today. And yeah. then <laughs> yes, you should have. Oh but I mean, I still like, even after post this surgery, I still have only just, I've pretty much been bleeding since, like consistently since I've had the miscarriage and that was in like January. So God. wild. Or I wore so... nappies for the first time recently. That was oh, how was cool. that? Yeah, <laughs> nice <it>. and soft. <laughs> Bring them back, normalize yeah. it. Yeah, I, I actually just um, discovered period. I just discovered period like undies. I know they've been around forever, but I was like, oh, so oh my good. god, these are a game changer, especially in the situation that I was in. I'm like, how have uh-huh. I not discovered this until now? I don't know. I feel like I've just grown up so much in the last three years since going through this. And I, I, I know so much and I'm so interested in the female reproductive system. I'm so interested in learning about everything and trying to help people that suffer in silence because a lot of women, they're scared to talk about this and they're well, ashamed. They're shame. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shame is that word. And I, it makes me so angry because it's just there's there's it's not your fault and we have to talk about it so you can navigate it and it's just easier for everyone like how how is your relationship with shame now oh it it's like i it doesn't bother me at all talking about it i i actually it helps me really does it, it helps me were you me scared to, to talk about it publicly though like the yeah, first time we bit like yeah. nervous yeah, I think as well because, like you said, not a lot of people understand miscarriage. To most people, it's just like, oh, they had a miscarriage, so try, try again. again. But <laughs> yeah, I I think I did this post and I re- and I explained everything and and like you know the one in four and the outreach that I had was astronomical. You can't even understand how much support and even the when Paul did that post the other day, that completely threw me off guard. My mum, I remember, I hadn't even seen it yet, but my mum was over here helping me post-surgery and she goes, oh, my God, look what Porter's posted, You like your stomach and, you know, are you okay with that? And I'm like, bloody oath. I'm like, yeah, show it. Show but it. Instagram has still like got the little warning about sensitive content, which it's pretty I, funny. Yeah, yeah, seeing that on his profile because people are like, what is it? And what is like, it, a massive dick or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just like my belly. <laughs> Your incision points, yeah. It's like I get that it's censored that some people will get queasy when they look at it, but I also get angry because I'm like, it's like the real body and we need to see yeah. that shit, you know? Yeah, yeah totally, I know. But What's, oh, I was just going to say when um, you were talking before about like slowing down and stuff, like with the IVF journey, Chloe, like because your schedule with Paul, like you guys are, you know, traveling so much, like how hard was it to kind of manage that whilst being on the move and, and all of that? How do you how do you do that? It's really hard. Well, yeah, exactly what I said before. It's like your period comes when your period comes and you, you don't you, you literally can't script it. You, um, so with the, the IVF, we were lucky in a sense that a lot of it went down through COVID um, and the clinics. I was in Australia for most of it um, so my and my clinic was open. So I was able to do it. It, it kind of weirdly worked out perfect timing because I didn't. we didn't really have to travel too much. But now this year is going to – I sat out of a lot of things as well because I was either pregnant or we were, were mid-stim cycle. I remember when Paul's tour in Australia was last November. 
I was like right in the middle of doing a full round of IVF and I was traveling with an esky with needles oh my and all my diary was like had alerts on when I had to take inject and all this crazy stuff. I remember my trigger shot, which is the one that you do at the very end of your IVF cycle and you give it to yourself at a specific time and exactly 36 hours after that they you go under and they collect your eggs and my time for that injection was I think at 6 30 p.m and Paul went on at 7 p.m and that was his biggest show he's pretty much ever done the Sydney domain oh my god and we were all in the green room and we were all like cheering and standing around and everyone was kissing my belly and well this is the one and it was so it was really beautiful but sadly you know actually that was that was the one that worked I think Mm. yeah yeah that was pretty much the one that um that worked and miscarried sadly but yeah it was it's it's hard with the schedule and right now we're like you know I've just told you that we're going to Europe and all this sort of stuff but I have got to try and work out what what the plan is with IVF now because we're in LA and I think I've like put my IVF journey to bed in Australia for the minute just need to change things up a little bit. But when we were in LA last time through COVID, I found an IVF doctor over here and I did a cycle over here. I didn't do a transfer in LA yet, but I've got two embryos on ice here in LA, a boy and a girl actually, they tell you in this country. So I just have to wait. I've got like a six-week recovery from this surgery that I just had. So it pretty much it honestly it brings me up right up until Europe so mm. I don't know how is have your to wait yeah fingers <laughs> crossed man how is your body like how does it feel right now are you sore are you in pain this is the thing that frustrates me so much because I feel completely normal like I I feel I'm so healthy I'm so fit I have no pains I mean apart from the surgery that I just had that was pretty brutal but I don't have any nothing nothing I I could I couldn't run a marathon but I could run a marathon you know (laughs) no I definitely couldn't (laughs) (laughs) fuck that what helps like what is helpful for people to say to you when you're going through this what are the things that people can do that will make you feel more supported because yeah like we were talking about before we're not taught about this or kind of given the heads up as to how we can help someone navigate you know a miscarriage and what we can do to be there like and again when we talk about death and stuff we just tend to avoid especially in western culture like we um really avoid it and then it's worse because it's almost like the burden becomes the burden comes on you to make other people feel comfortable and it shouldn't be that like that's an extra load for you so what has helped like what what are the things that people have said and done that have really helped you through this yeah, I think my favorite thing that someone's done for me and I, Elodie, who I have my podcast with, Elodie and I did a, a whole podcast on supporting friends through IVF and my, my I'm, all of my girlfriends listened to that and my favorite thing that someone's actually done is gone on their own and done some research for me. I know it sounds so lame no, but I had good. this one friend – got a teary I had like one of my girlfriends sent me through this article of like oh have you tried this or I've just listened to this and I think you you know this is maybe a year ago or two years ago when I was at the very start of my journey and I was still scratching my head because when you're going through it no one's doing anything for you except for yourself 
your doctor's got a million other people that they're looking after. And unless you're advocating for yourself and you're looking for answers and you're going down every single rabbit hole, who else is doing it for you? Um, and even Paul, like, you know, he's invested in, in it, but no one's your number one advocate apart from yourself exactly. in this sort of case. But I, I think it's so important to educate yourself and really learn about infertility and miscarriage and IVF and your friend will love you for it. If you sit down with them one day and you'd be like, oh, I watched this documentary or I read this article or I found this bit of information, you probably have tried it. But if you haven't, like, here we go. I'm I'm just trying to help in any way possible. And I think that that was like, wow, this person's actually spent time doing this for me. It's real that that's my favorite thing that someone's done for me. Yeah. But then there's obviously at times where it's really it's it's hard and I think friends don't know what to say and sometimes it's been I've had friends that send me messages just going you don't need to reply to this but just know that I'm thinking of you I love you I'm always here sort of thing and you know you can like heart it but you can give it a heart or you can you know go into it but they don't expect a reply you know just just to say that but it's it's also difficult because I do find myself so ingrained in my own situation and so tunnel vision in my own situation that I do and I'm I put my hand up and say that I forget about others as well because everyone's going through something I'm not the only person in the world that's going through this crazy life experience so I I need to be better at that as well myself because you know I'm here just trying to keep myself afloat and you're asking this of your friends but you also need to try and do that in return for them Mm. um I'm working on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that. great that you've got that awareness. You know, some people don't. And I think it just comes down to like having that empathy for each other and acknowledging that, you know, yeah, everyone is is certainly going going through something. And I think going back to like when someone just sends a message being like, you know, I know if you don't want to talk or whatever, I, I think a lot of people think that they have to say something really significant mm. and substantial. And it can be quite intimidating when you don't know the topic as well. But it could just be as simple as being like, I don't know the right words to say right now, but I want you to know that I am thinking of you and I'm so sorry and it's fucked. Yeah. Like that's enough as well, right? Yeah. And sometimes just rocking up too. I remember when you're in the thick of it, you don't, You someone will say, can we come over? And you're like, nah, I don't want anyone to come over. I, I'm a very like in inward person. Even though I share everything when I'm actually going through, when I've gone through my miscarriages, I actually don't really want to be around anyone or I don't really want to talk to anyone. I just want to do me and go for walks and drink tea and have a bath and I just want to do me. But it is it is really nice, especially with Elodie. She'll just rock up on my doorstep with the baby and the dog and then it's just like chaos and, you know, here's a glass of <laughs> wine or, you know, it's just – they're not going to want you to come around, but just go around. I think that that's nice. And I, I've, I've had this recently a few times. A lot of people that follow us obviously know our journey and stuff like that. But I, I think the number one thing that I, I, I hate and I, I wish I knew this earlier was we need to kind of drill this into people's minds and it's don't ask people when they're going to have a baby because I've yeah. done that. You always, that's just automatically what you think. It's like, oh my God, when are you guys going to have a baby? I think that that is the number one thing that infuriates me the most because A, you're like, 
I mean, you could really just throw it back on them and be like, oh, yeah, well, we've been trying for three years and we've had four miscarriages, but you're like, oh, can't be bothered to have that conversation either. But it's like you just don't know. So I I think that just I wish I knew this earlier, but just don't ask people that. And it's, it's a really innocent question that you ask people because you don't ask it to hurt them or anything. But for someone who's actually been trying, it's so, so triggering. triggering and so upsetting because you just don't know what to say. You instantly just try and protect yeah. yourself. And especially at our age, like we are being asked and as soon as you get married, people want to know because they, you know, they mm-hmm. tend to, you know, think it's the next step and stuff. But then there's also people on the other hand who just like may not even want to have children. And then, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a really, yeah. yeah, it's, I know it's well intended, but it's fucking awkward to ask. So don't, <laughs> anyone listening, don't. Yeah, just don't. <laughs> you know, actually I've got to add one thing to don't do to people that are struggling with fertility don't tell them your story of how you struggled and then send a photo of your baby and your and your children of like what you've come at the end. Have people That's done like, that to uh, you? Yeah, people do that often actually. They'll be like, my journey was this and this and this, but I got this at the end and sends like five photos of their children and I'm like, wow, that's not triggering. Bro, that's worse than <laughs> I mean, I can laugh about it. But... Kick, like that's an yeah. example. <laughs> yeah, I know, crazy. But, yeah, no, it's the outreach is amazing and I – I, I actually can't respond to every one of them because it, it I get so many and it it's it's very um it is it's really emotional and I and I feel the feels really hardcore when people write to me and I I feel so sorry for other women who are going through this I just it sucks and I wouldn't wish this upon my worst enemy and just the unknowing and like the just the, I don't know I just feel like that because you just don't have any control that I, I don't have much advice other than just like keep going and keep advocating for yourself and speaking to other people and I I it sucks what I've been through but I'm actually grateful that I've been through it because I you know I, I feel like I've changed as a person completely through this totally. journey and I, I think I'm a better person for it for sure. yeah yeah it's yeah it's amazing that you can look at you know those I hate saying the word silver linings but like it there's always opportunity to get something no, out of definitely. anything I think beyond yeah. the fertility journey Chloe with your 30s how else would you sum it up? And I, I love asking people like what they still haven't figured out. And it can be something so trivial. Like for me, I'm still figuring out how to fucking curl my hair properly. Oh, yeah, like what are you? Like absolutely <laughs> cannot do Yeah, that. is there anything else that you can't do that you're like, shouldn't I know this by now? <laughs> Let me have a think. Give me a second. What should I know? I mean, God, I'm definitely not a pro at March. I, I You'd think that I'd know how to place any sort of sport by the time of 30. I'm actually breaking bones and shit when I'm 30. I was not accident prone until I turned 30 and all of a sudden I've just got so much shit, broke my arm. I'm just, everyone says, they're like, we cannot take you anywhere. You always hurt yourself or you always get injured. But I actually fell off my bike. Actually, I rode my bike into Venice Pier. for It was Paul's birthday and we're on a big bike pub crawl and it was an electric bike. And my front wheel clicked Paul's back wheel and instead of grabbing the brake, I hit the accelerator and flew into the wall and put my hand oh, out. No. So, yeah, I yeah, I, I would have thought that I'd be better at more sports by, by the time of 30 <laughs> and just like activities, but not very good at those. <laughs> Might need some training wheels as well. <laughs> Seriously, I know. I bought rollerblades, roller, rollerblades, no, roller skates. Oh, because you know at the Venice skate park they've got like all people that do this crazy rollerblading. Yeah, and they what? do it like backwards, yep. they're like dancing. Yep. 
thought that I could do that, thought that I could do that, can't do that. I haven't, they haven't left the house. I've gone up and down the hallway (laughs) twice and I'm like, you know what? This is not going to end well for me. So back in the car, get some knee pads. (laughs) Oh, mate, I don't think that would save me. I've just learned that I have to be more careful in my thirties that I, I'm not as resilient not as resilient as what I was, I think. But you're resilient in so many other ways, though. So cut yourself some slack. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for jumping on and making the time from LA. I really appreciate it. And please, yeah, just look after yourself and wishing you and Paul, you know, all the best for this year. And Aww. I hope it works out for you, but just take care of yourself. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy to have been able to have a chat with you. you you're actually on my list Elodie and I's list of guests to have on our podcast and I just we haven't got there yet but you're on there I would love that I would so love that if you want to hear more from Chloe make sure you check out her podcast with her bestie Elodie Pullen it's called Darling Shine and I'll pop the link in the show notes of this episode Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Figuring Out 30 is a fully independent podcast produced and presented by me, Bridget Hustwaite. It's created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And if you like what you're hearing, please, by all means, flick over a review, a rating, and yeah, share it with anyone that you think may enjoy. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Hustwaite. And I've also just started an Instagram page for the pod at Figuring Out 30 Podcast. I haven't posted anything just yet, but I wanted to snag the handle. (laughs) But um, yeah, I've got a bunch of videos that I will be uploading of these episodes. Thanks so much again. I'll catch you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.